ESPN Radio. Continues. Westwood One, NCAA Radio Network. The Coach K Farewell Tour has one more stop for a record 13 time under Mike Krzyzewski. The Blue Devils are going to the Final Four. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. What's good, brothers and sisters? She's Amber Wilson. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80, as ESPN Plus as well. Hit us on Twitter anytime at AmberW790. That's Amber's handle, my handle, Coleman, ESPN. All oh, the basketball gods love us. They basically said, Amber, in Coach Krzyzewski's last year as Duke head coach, we're going to make sure if you're going to get to the championship, you're going to have to play North Carolina to get there. I know St. Peter's fans don't want to hear it. I know the anti-North Carolina Duke fans don't want to hear it. But if you're a basketball fan like you and I are, we got the best of all worlds. Final season, two rivals, and he's got to beat that team in North Carolina to get to the championship. The networks definitely want to hear it. The NCAA <laughs> committee definitely wants to hear it. I mean, let's be honest. This is the matchup that they all wanted for sh- for sure. And the ratings are going to show that this is probably the matchup Ooh, that boy. the country wanted as well. St. Peter's was a heck of a story. Don't take anything away from what that 15 seed did. Mm-hmm. But this is the matchup. And it's funny, Freddie, because I've been saying all tournament long that this is the most unpredictable tournament ever. And okay. yet here we are at the end with four perennial blue bloods. Well, how much do we say that every year, though? Most unpredictable tournament ever. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, this, think, I think why, I'm why right is this year this different? Year. I mean it this year. Oh, oh you mean? Oh, you didn't mean it last year <laughs> or the year before? You just lied to us all this time. Now you mean it this year, Amber? <laughs> it's different this year. I mean, it's easy to say when you have a 15 seed, go to the elite eight, right? Sure. But I do think that when you had as many upsets as you had, and the, what a lot of the lower seeds did, it just feels like a different era in college basketball coming off of last year as well. I'll include last year in that as well, that discussion. I just didn't know if last year was isolated to the fact that it was still pandemic protocols. It was still limited crowds. There was some of that that we were still dealing with. And obviously coming off of a year before that, where we didn't have a tournament at all. So this year felt normal. And so I thought, okay, now we're going to be back to normal. These blue bloods are going to cruise. And even though we're here at the final four with four blue bloods, they didn't cruise to get here. True. And by the way, I talked about this a friend of mine, Anthony Latini, is the head coach of Sacred Heart, and they're a mid-major program. And I said, how much longer do you think we're going to see moments like this? And he said, Freddie, are too many good players. And all the coaches can't keep, keep them anymore. And the transfer portal is wreaking havoc on coaches. He said he is stunned that he's been able to see four Blue Bloods because he thought there'd be one outlier, one team from maybe a mid-major conference or maybe somebody in a power conference that does not have the pedigree of a Duke, of a North Carolina, of a Villanova, or a Kansas because more than ever before, kids are ruling the college game. And the fact that Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, in his final year with a bunch of one-and-dones in his basketball team and the pressure that was there and dealing with that and getting to a Final Four with all that in front of his team in this day and age of college basketball, it shows exactly how special that, whether people want to hear it or not, how Duke is and how special a coach and a person he has been as the face of that program and the face of college basketball when it comes to Mike Krzyzewski, the head coach of Duke. Well, and maybe that loss at the end of the regular season when they moved, when they ruined his moment in terms of closing <laughs> out the regular season. I mean, let's be honest. That's what Duke kind of did. They they obviously lose to UNC on their home court at Cameron Indoor in front of like 100 former Duke players and mm-hmm. all the fanfare that surrounded that game. 
But maybe in a sense they got their monkey off the back with, with that loss where, all right, now we have nothing to lose going into this tournament. Yes, it's Coach K's last run, but we've already kind of ruined that moment, so to speak. Let's just go out there, play basketball. And ever since that moment, they have certainly come to play and have obviously blazed their trail through this tournament as viable contenders here for the national championship, which nobody would have said that two weeks ago. It's funny you mentioned that Amber Wilson and Freddie coming together on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus because that's the one thing that I've noticed about Coach Krzyzewski in terms of he's always going to be a hard-driving guy. Even at 70-plus years of age, he is always going to be competitive to the 25th power, for lack of a better term. But I don't think he's talked to Tracy Wolfson of CBS Sports this much in his life, like we've seen him the last couple of weeks with her being a sideline reporter, part of CBS coverage uh, covering the college basketball tournament. And it just seems like there's more of an enjoyment. Like he says, all right, I know this is it. Whenever that's going to happen, it could be now, it could be the championship game, whatever that is. And I think that relaxation, that electric relaxation, of course, the old, old our Tribe Called Quest um, joint, that electric relaxation from him has transferred his basketball team because go back to that moment you just mentioned at Cameron Indoor Stadium where anybody was a Duke alum was there, and I thought that they wilted under that pressure. Then you got North Carolina in the building. Then afterwards, Coach K was like a parent that was so disappointed in their children. Mm-hmm. This is unacceptable. It seemed from that point on, Amber, that both sides, the coaching staff led by Coach K and the players said, you know what, what do we got to lose? Let's just go out and do our thing. But that's really been more on his side as well as the 21, 18-year-olds that he's coaching because it seems like he's smiling more. He's enjoying it more as much of the players, if not even more. So you don't hate the media, Coach K, when all of a sudden it's your final run. You're going to miss us. That's what I'm taking from all this talking that you're doing with Tracy Wolfson. I know some people are down on Coach K because – They already feel like Duke is about Coach K. And Mm -hmm. so people, first of all, love to hate on that program, love to hate on Coach K. It's what you do, right, to to these perennial programs. I'm one of those who typically in the past roots against Duke just because they're Duke for no other reason. I don't have a stake in the game, but they're Duke, right? You want to watch them lose typically. But now here we are at the end. I'm rooting for Duke now from here on out just because I like that storyline. If if he goes out on top, I don't think that there's a better story that could come out of this tournament now that St. Peter's has been knocked out of things Mm -hmm. but you're absolutely right he seems to be in a different place kind of enjoying it enjoying this final run and so maybe his athletes are in a position where they feel like they can enjoy this tournament and again they already had the embarrassment of losing the last regular season game frankly it's not nothing that happens in this matchup with unc is going to be embarrassing they're not going to hear the end of it because it's a rival but it's not going to be embarrassing to make it to the final four in coach k's final that's the one word that i would never attach to any teams in a rivalry, especially getting Duke versus North Carolina for the first time ever. These two schools are meeting in NCAA tournament because they've been so great all these years. One's been on one side of the bracket. One's been on the other side of the bracket. One has been great at one time. The other has not been as great. They've never been great together. And even this year, they're not great together, which makes it even more ironic that in Coach K's last dance, we had the last dance two years ago, Michael Jordan, and two years later we get a guy that wanted to coach Michael Jordan or as Michael Jordan's rival to rival school when it comes to Mike Krzyzewski, that we're getting these two teams with all these elements post-Roy Williams, where Hubert Davis, the former North Carolina player, he's on that side. First time he had a chance to coach a basketball team as a head coach, and they get to the Final Four as an eighth seed, getting to that place. You got Duke and everything that goes with it, Coach K, and everybody saying his last dance could be a championship the way Michael Jordan has his. You could not have predicted anything better. Even if you're a hardcore Duke hater or a hardcore North Carolina hater, there are going to be plenty of people, to your point, Amber, that are going to tune in and say, I wonder how this is going to develop with these two 
best rivals in college basketball meeting, and one's going to be disappointed, and they're only eight miles away from each other. It is unbelievable that this is the first time we're here. It is the first time and the last time, obviously, for Coach K. But hopefully we get this more as these programs continue forth beyond Coach K's tenure. They have played each other 257 times since 1920. This is the first time that we'll see them Uh in this big of a game which is yeah. wild because of course they've been one and two before and played each other like we have had some marquee games we've had the battles in the ACC tournament but we've never seen it here in the NCAA tournament 240 NCAA tournament wins combined wow. amongst these two schools never have they matched up together yeah. that is unbelievable that we get it now so it couldn't be any bigger you know who I feel sorry for is North Carolina State nobody ever talks about them in the triangle it's always Duke it's always North Carolina where North Carolina State does something People go, that's nice. That's cute. Attaboy. Way to hang in there. It's always going to be those two schools that are going to rule the day. And now they get a chance to play for a championship appearance next Monday night and Coach K's last dance. And for that whole thing, that's going to be a sensational, sensational match. I hope it lives at everything that it's supposed to be. She's Amber Wilson. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Like I mentioned, hit us on Twitter at AmberW790. That's Amber's handle, my handle, Coleman ESPN. And also don't forget the phone number as well, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We're going to go down to the triangle and find out exactly what is it going to be like. Coach K's potential last game against North Carolina. That happens after this from eBay. When a part of your offense is not firing on all cylinders, it shows. Maybe it's a drop ball. Maybe you just can't work your way down the field. When this happens, the only solution is to replace that part with something better. It's the same with your car. But unlike in sports, a new batch of car parts can't be drafted every year. That's why eBay Motors exists. They have all the right parts at the right prices. In fact, eBay Motors has 122 million parts. That's a lot. That way you can get the parts you need to make your car a winner. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. The madness continues. Westwood One, NCAA Radio Network. North Carolina for the 21st time on NCAA record. And the first time under first-year coach Hubert Davis will go to the Final Four and will take on the Duke Blue Devils next week in New Orleans. They led wire to wire and win it 69-49. to This is ESPN Radio. Well, Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman. Let's get a little tobacco road slice of heaven as Adam Gold from the Adam Gold Show and 99.5 The Fan in the great state of North Carolina joins us. Thanks to Straight Talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Hit him on Twitter at AGoldFan. Adam, a lot of people always talk about Duke versus North Carolina. But what is this conversation going to sound like with these two meeting in the Final Four for the first time in an NCAA tournament game? And, oh, by the way, it could be the last game we see coached coach by Mike Krzyzewski, the head coach of Duke. I mean, this is just – I can't wait. Like, I've been here for 24 years, and I've seen a lot of Duke Carolina games. I've seen one versus two battles. I saw the game at Cameron uh, three and a half weeks ago uh, in Kay's Ultimate Senior Night. Man, nothing's going to be as good as this. Um, it's great. I can't wait for it. This rivalry deserves this stage. It's like the Yankees and Red Sox meeting in the playoffs. I mean, we're just, it's going to be at an 11 all week. Adam, I know there's another game that we have after this, but does anybody care? I mean, is this is this bigger than the national championship is going to feel? I think so, actually. It's it's weird. I was I did an interview this morning, and somebody asked me, "How did they get get up for Monday night?" And my response was, 
I'm not sure anybody cares at this point. <laughs> I mean, Monday's going to happen for one of these schools. We know that. Uh, and I'm not sure it will matter after Saturday. I, re- I, I can't imagine a bigger game. Adam Gold from the Adam Gold Show on 99.5, the fan in North Carolina with Freddie Coleman and Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. You mentioned, and both of you mentioned that, and it's well suited to think about ramping your team back up. Whoever wins on Saturday night to get ready for a championship game, who is more likely to have a chance to do that better? Is it Duke under Coach K in his final game, period, or is it North Carolina who has been able to make this run under Hubert Davis in his first year, Adam? I think it's probably Duke. Because I think if they need to, they can go to a, uh, they can go to more players. Carolina really doesn't have anybody beyond their first, really their first six. Duke's playing seven; they can they can legitimately use seven. But the uh, I think that they could go to an eighth or a ninth guy if they have to. Uh, so they, I think they're a little deeper. But I also think that these kids for Duke who are just removed, one year removed from playing multiple AAU games in a day, I think they're conditioned for it. I think Duke's level of talent is higher. So I think they're a little bit more conditioned, but I'm not, I mean, the adrenaline will carry you through anyway. So UNC's glaring issue then is depth, and maybe they're not quite as talented as Duke. Also probably why they're the lower seed here. What has changed, though, for Hubert Davis's squad from the first few months of the season where they came out flat? Where are they now as a, as a club that has been so successful, surprisingly successful so far in, in Davis's first tournament? It actually happened in that game at Cameron when Hubert Davis took the ball out of Caleb Love's hand at point and gave it to R.J. Davis. And they just have operated better. Love needs to be able to shoot and be free to shoot whenever he has the opportunity. And when you're the point guard on Carolina and you've got Baycott down low and Brady Maddox on the wing who can knock down shots, sometimes you can't shoot it every time. And Love needs to have that freedom. So with Davis handling the ball, their offense has worked better. Uh, and, I look, I think Hubert Davis did a brilliant job in that game by basically saying to Brady Manick, their worst defender, that you're going to take Paulo, and I know he's their best offensive player. Do the best you can. We'll try to limit the other guys, and it worked beautifully. But offensively, it's R.J. Davis at the point. Adam Gold of the Adam Gold Show on 99.9. The fan on with Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman here on ESPN Radio. You mentioned what a heck of a job here that Hubert Davis has done. Obviously, Coach K as well, getting his team to this point. Who has done the better job just in terms of coaching? I know you said Davis's team uh, isn't as stacked. Who has done the better job in terms of coaching in this tournament, do you think? Well, I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, it, it's kind of a tie. <laughs> like, I mean, UNC's been the beneficiary of a couple of breaks. I mean, Baylor was missing players. Uh, Marquette couldn't do anything well, and that game was a runaway right away. Uh, the UCLA game was, I thought, uh, a well-played game by two pretty even teams, especially the way Carolina's been playing lately. And then Carolina didn't really have a final exam. I mean, it was like uh, – it was it – was, it was like the you know the, the twins from Harry Potter uh, flying in on broomsticks and canceling the final exam. And uh, Dolores Oakridge was mad because there's I mean St. Peter's had no chance in the game. 
I mean, Duke had to go through a pretty rough gauntlet of Texas Tech and Arkansas in the regional round. So, um, But Coach K, I think, is more relaxed with this team than he had been. I think it was underestimated just how much pressure was on that entire group, coach included, uh, during this farewell tour season. And it really culminated in a bad look both during and after the game at Cameron. Uh, when Coach K said it was unacceptable. That was a losable game from the start. So a loss isn't unacceptable. Uh, I mean, it's it's unwanted, but it's not unacceptable. That pressure ended up being too much for everybody. Uh, But I think he's relaxed. This team has brought in, and now you have the most talented team that is now emotionally invested in the outcome. That's a pretty dangerous combination. We'll see if it continues. But, I'm, I mean, I'm going to hedge and just say it's kind of a tie. 30 seconds left before I let you go, Adam. We just talked about that in terms of his relaxation has transferred to his basketball team. How surprised are you to see that from Coach K in his final year? Uh, it's been alarming. <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> honest, it has been alarming to see how much fun he is having because normally they would take a very businesslike approach. But this has been legitimately fun for him, fun to watch. And I think he realized, I think he's just enjoying the ride. He's still coaching, but he's just enjoying what, I mean, every game could be the last one. So you might as well get the most out of it uh, in terms of your own personal enjoyment. And I think he's doing that. I think it's also helped his team. Who's going to win? I think Duke's going to win. Oh, yeah? No North, yeah, Car- no, lo- no North Carolina love at all. No, no love for the Ironman. I, I love, I love North Carolina. I'm, a, I'm such a big Hubert Davis fan, and he has done a great job. I don't love him for this team especially, but I think ultimately, if if Duke is emotionally invested in the game, their talent level is too good. Sounds good. I oh, appreciate you, Adam. Man, enjoy this week as well. The, the game on Saturday. Take care and be well, my man. Hey, anytime. Appreciate it. Great stuff by Adam Gold. Also, a man that Shannon Penn, our producer, knows well, so they know each other well from their days in North Carolina because Shannon should produce the Adam Gold Show on 99.9. The fan hit him on Twitter, a gold fan. He said it quick that who's going to win. Dude, yeah. he didn't hesitate at all. He didn't, and I think for the reasons that he had stated where he is just – so convinced that Duke is the more talented team. And I don't think that's going out on a limb saying that by any means. And then the depth problems that UNC has as well, it could certainly catch up to them here. It hasn't caught up to them so far in this tournament. Were you surprised how lopsided the Elite Eight wins were for both of these teams? Here's why I wasn't surprised so much. I thought North Carolina, that was little brother playing big brother. At a certain point, bigger, taller, faster, stronger. It's going to be better than smaller, 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 smaller. Mm-hmm. Especially comes to a mid-major program. I was a little surprised that the way that Duke was able to really take control of that game, even though Arkansas fought it pretty good, but you got to make shots. If you don't make shots, and Arkansas was – they were atrocious on the three-point line in the first part of that ball game, especially in the first part of the second half. And I thought Duke's inside play, able to get the ball, put it on the deck, get into the lane, get those paint touches, that was a big, big thing, not only with the post touch but also with the dribble drive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I, th- I wonder what that does momentum-wise coming in to yeah. this game as well. Duke was more tested, you're right, in the Elite Eight, but just really for that first half of that game against Arkansas. North Carolina had the easy road, uh, it, it seemingly so, of, yes. at least from the Elite Eight on. And so I do wonder if they're going to go into this game a little bit more hyped than maybe they should be. It felt like 
with UNC coming off of that final game at Cameron Indoor. I feel like that changed everything, Frank, mm -hmm. frankly, for both for of both these teams. programs. Sure. UNC, it gave them the confidence going into this tournament, even though they're an eighth seed, right? Whereas with Duke, it kind of gave them the kick in the butt that maybe they needed going into this tournament, that, hey, all this fanfare, all this pomp and circumstance around Coach K, at the end of the day, we still have to go out there and we actually have to get it done on the court. So it's wild to see because that was, what, just a few weeks ago. It's wild to see how far we've come in such a short period of time with both of these teams. Well, both of those teams answer questions. From North Carolina, could they be able to play with basically five and six guys mm -hmm. and able to win that way? They answered that question so far after four games. And with Duke, we worried about their guard play that have been spotty all year long and that toughness. Where would they find that? I go back to the second half against Michigan State when it comes to Duke because Michigan State was definitely a tougher basketball team. But they were able to find a way, and their guards to go. A roach was tremendous down the stretch, but that toughness showed up. And if that keeps showing up, then Coach K is going to have a wonderful last dance heading up into the sunset with a championship in his back pocket. That's part of Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman, thanks for joining us here on ESPN Radio. You're 20 minutes away from the slap that we will all never forget that comes you in about 20 minutes. And if the Lakers don't make the playoffs, uh-oh. Oh, boy. That's next. ESPN Radio. Right side winging Gabriel stolen, and that'll do it. And the Pelicans with a blow to the Lakers that we'll see if they can recover from. 23-point Laker lead. They're only a game up on the Spurs for the last play-in spot in the West. And New Orleans takes over ninth place. Along with Amber Wilson, I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Series X and Channel 80. Tune in as well as ESPN+. Plus. I hate to be that guy. I'm lying. I love to be that guy. Of course you do. Because certain questions need to be asked and certain questions we need answers to, especially with this basketball team when it comes to the Los Angeles Lakers. Another big lead, another loss last night. Their remaining schedule looks like this. Dallas on the road at Utah. Home versus New Orleans, who they are barely leading in that final spot. I should say tied in that final spot with San Antonio behind them. Then home versus Denver, at Phoenix, at Golden State, versus Oklahoma City at home, and that at Denver. So, Amber, can you imagine if this team with that schedule, and they're 31-43, and 43, they've lost six out of their last eight. If they don't make the playoffs, I can't even imagine what that's going to sound like in the City of the Angels. They're 5-15 and 15 in their last 20 games. Does oh, so that sound like <laughs> it's worse than you thought? I mean, does that sound like a team that is making the playoffs, Freddie? Absolutely not. But I wonder, if you're LeBron James, do you even want to make the playoffs at this point? Now, I, don't, I believe okay. that he hurt his ankle. All right, he rolled his ankle. But... He did go out there. He did finish the game. You kind of rolling your eyes he like Jada Pinkett Smith last night. I'm just saying, stick with me here, because 42 minutes, 39 points, mm -hmm. nine boards, five assists. Got enough, enough points to try to help him in uh, that points leader race that we know is as tight as I think it's ever been right. in NBA history right now, where he's got less than a point edge right now on Joel Embiid. And Giannis is in that conversation as well, where all of those uh, guys are separated by less than a point in terms of points per game average this season, which is, I think, mm -hmm. the category that LeBron is playing for winning here, not so much actually winning, right. because they're not going to actually win anything, Freddie. Let's be honest. 
So what's True. the point if you're a 37-year-old LeBron in getting out there and trying so hard to uh-huh. make this play-in scenario where they would have to win two play-in games to even get to a playoff-type scenario here this postseason? And then in a best of seven, come on, this Lakers team, like, it's a wrap. So – I'm not saying he didn't hurt his ankle. Okay. I'm just saying if you're 37 years old and you rolled your ankle, maybe you give it a little extra time, you milk it a little bit more, and you take the summer off of your LeBron James. But, again, you get back out there enough just to try to win that uh, points-per-game title, and that's about it. You're not actually out here trying to make the postseason at this point. If I'm LeBron, that's probably the approach I'm taking. Okay. Amber Wilson encouraging LeBron James to tank. <laughs> Want to make sure he pays attention. Okay, got it. You Not heard the tank. Car. <laughs> you're encouraging. You're encouraging. Just, just enough to, to win the scoring for, title. Look out for himself just a little bit. Okay, we got it. You heard the call from 710 ESPN to Los Angeles about the Lakers losing another game. What did LeBron James have to say about how he feels after losing to the Pelicans? Guard your ears. This is what he said. It feels like I mean, excuse my language, but that's what it feels like. You know, I came in with the mindset, understanding it was a playoff type, uh, you know, it's be playoff type atmosphere, playoff implications, and things of that nature. So, you know, um, you know, I knew that from the jump. Um, we also got a lot of guys on our ball club that haven't played in playoff games as well. That plays a lot of big minutes for us. You know, you have Malik and you know Winion, Austin, um, Stan. You know who. Um, you know, Taylor is pretty much not, you know, not accustomed to it as well. So, um, you know, we're trying to bottle that in and try to help the young guys understand how, you know, the magnitude of it. And um, they got guys who've been in the postseason. Um, but, um, you know, it feels like a wasted opportunity, um, obviously, uh, for myself and for our team. And we weren't able to get it done. They definitely weren't able to get it done. Freddie, we were at a point. Mm-hmm. where LeBron James, leading the Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers, is talking about a playoff environment against the Zionless Pelicans team. Exactly. That's where the Lakers season has gone. This was the playoff environment for LeBron James, and they just couldn't they couldn't rise to that challenge against the Pelicans. Of all teams. Of all teams. I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about teams. a must-win yeah. against the Pelicans, and uh-huh. they can't win it. What is the point? Well, you know what the point is? If you're the Los Angeles Lakers, and I go back – to last week when he said he was having the time of his life. That sounded like a built-in excuse to me to say, I'm doing everything I can. I'm not getting any help. Anthony Davis is not here. He'd have been better off Amber to pull the old Eddie Murphy routine from the Nutty Professor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I ride in fresh drawers. I don't have any cab fare. Anthony Davis wearing jeans shorts to the sideline. He'd have been better off saying anything else but saying I'm having the time of my life. You can't be having the time of your life playing for that organization. You're LeBron James. And the last thing he wants to hear is not that they're not going to make the playoffs. I'm with you. They're not making the playoffs. We laid out that schedule. When Oklahoma City, Thunder are the only team you're favored against, and that's not a guaranteed game anyway if you're the Los Angeles Lakers. But this dude does not want to be part of a rebuild Mm -hmm. because that's where the Lakers are right now. Whatever offseason questions they got to answer, it's got to start with who can we get in return? Because it used to be that guys wanted to play with LeBron James. Oh, but think about playing LeBron with LeBron James if they were a secondary star somewhere else, Amber. What secondary star wants to go play with him? I'd rather play with John Moran with Memphis or Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee or Joel Embiid in Philadelphia. Is that an age? That's just an age thing? That's just a whole collective thing. Age, bad organization right now, no chance of winning a championship and competing for a championship. That's that whole big pile of wrong box. 
going on right now. If you're a superstar, think about playing with LeBron James. And don't think, Amber, for one second, he doesn't know that. So he, we talk about off-season questions. The Lakers have to answer. LeBron James got a lot of off-season questions that he's going to have to answer because if he turns tail and runs again, we know what that narrative is going to sound like. I don't even know if the problem is whether people want to play with LeBron or not because he's still he's still LeBron. He's still the greatest player of our generation, and he happens to be living in a place called Los Angeles, which I've heard is a pretty nice place to live. So I'm not sure that it's that nobody would want to come play with him. It's they're not in a position to get anybody because their trade ship here is Anthony Davis, and everybody else in the NBA is seeing what we're all seeing that Anthony Davis can't stay on a court. It's something we've known about AD for years. Mm -hmm. It has never been more glaring than it is now that even LeBron James can't get it done with a part-time Anthony Davis. And because of that, nobody else can get it done then with a part-time Anthony Davis. So his trade value is incredibly hampered because of his availability and his lack of durability. Russell Westbrook, I mean, forget about it. That's not even a conversation. So... LeBron James, then? Is that who you trade away if you're the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, then who do you trade him away to? Because if you're LeBron James, you got to dictate where you're going to go to, which means this has LeBron James going back to Cleveland for the third time written right all over it. I don't I don't know if I believe that because I know I've heard that several places. It's a good story from a story perspective. But if you're Cleveland, you're not going to want to give up all those pieces for LeBron James at 37 years old. The trajectory of that team right now, I I mean, that's a really young team that looks like they could be really good in the future. And that would last you a long time. But they're not going to turn on LeBron James. The opportunity is there. They're not going to turn that down. I don't know. I don't know if they need – in other words, also, I think if you add LeBron to a decimated team in Cleveland because you had to give up some of those young pieces to Los Angeles, I don't think that's enough to win – LeBron a championship by any means. I think he'd have to go to a team with bona fide superstars around him. As good as that Cavs team looks like they're going to be in the future, they're not there yet. But but if I'm a bona fide superstar team, I don't want that guy on my team. Nothing against LeBron James, but you got enough dudes that can win a championship. There's no need to add a piece like him, even as great as he is, because guys like him are ball dominant, and they're going to take a lot of attention away from a team full of superstars. At a certain point, certain things you can't mix in a bowl. And I think at this point in LeBron James' career – that's not the kind of mix you have in a bowl. If you got a great cake, you can't put salt in it. And he's potentially salt in that situation because of who he is and what he's been. Right, it's LeBron point. James we're talking about, though. Get, it's LeBron no, James. Like it. You stand near LeBron James, and he it. gets you at least one championship during his tenure but, with the but, team. But can he? Ignoring the early run with the Cavs there uh, at the beginning of his career. But ever since he started teaming up with superstars, he'll get you yeah, at least one. One, right? He got one in Los Angeles. He got one in Cleveland. He got multiple ones in Miami. And by the way, I would take LeBron back in two seconds in Miami. If we want to have that conversation, that's the type of team. Miami's different. They only have one superstar, Jimmy Butler. And I think you, and it is, I mean, and Jimmy Butler is a superstar, but I think, listen, as much as I love Jimmy Butler, like I think even now at this point in his career and what he's playing like this season, I think that's using the term quite loosely. But because you have Lowry, because you have Butler, because those are older players, I do think that they would welcome in somebody like LeBron James because you're talking about championship now. Jimmy Butler's the kind of guy that he, I don't know, those two those two personalities would not mix. Butler and LeBron James, my opinion. Nah, I can't see that. I, I can't see Mm-mm. Pat Mm-mm. Riley and LeBron making it work again because that seems true. like the real problem at the end of Miami. Yeah, but I don't yeah. know but yeah. if Jimmy would be the would be the problem I, there. I, I think mm-hmm. LeBron, at this point in his career, a lot of superstars may not want to sign off on the kind of circus that he's going to bring, no matter how great he's going to continue to be. 
We shall see. Either way, those are questions for another day involving the Lakers and LeBron James and their future. Their near future includes no playoffs, but after that, we shall see. Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. When one hit to the face equaled... When keeping it real goes wrong. That was some Oscars night last night. That's next on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman, and ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, and nobody was talking about the Best Actor Award, Best Picture Award, Historical First Last Night, the Oscars Awards. Mm-hmm. Amber, it was all about the slap that everybody saw and heard around the world involving Will Smith and Chris Rock. Chris Rock making jokes at the expense of Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. She rolled her eyes at first and frowned. Will Smith was laughing a little bit. Then the next thing you know, he walked up on that stage, cracked him across the face. I give credit to Chris Rock. He tried to keep it as professional as possible and kept going on. But nobody is going to forget about that moment, especially you watched it live like I did last night. I'm sure you did as well. I actually missed this portion live. I had walked away from the television before this actually went down. I'm not a huge Oscars person because I'm not a big movies person. And half the time with these fancy award shows, I definitely haven't seen the movies they're talking about. Or I don't care, frankly, that much. Like, I'm not a huge award show person anyways. Right. But when we're talking about the artsy-fartsy kind of movies, a lot of the times I don't necessarily agree with the awards. I guess I'm not... I guess I'm not artistic. I'm not an artiste here, Freddie Coleman. So okay. I just talk about sports. Right. So I normally just kind of watch these for the entertainment value. Watch these more for, you know, the hosts, the jokes, that sure. sort of thing. I did miss this moment live, though, because I wasn't paying such close attention. And then I saw the reaction on social media. I thought it was a put on, which I'm sure a lot of people did especially if they absorbed it like me, where they didn't necessarily catch that moment live. I thought, okay, these are two world-class actors. Mm-hmm. This is all a put-on. And apparently it's not a put-on. And mm-hmm. then if you watch the slap, it initially led me even more to believe this is a put-on because Chris Rock, I mean, that is a real man. The way that he maintains his control in that moment, all the credit in the world to Chris Rock for having that semblance of control when he's on national, international television, when millions of people are watching. And just like you said, the epitome of professionalism in that moment. And also it didn't seem like the slap even phased him, No, which that portion of it was shocking as well. So not only did he not retaliate, but he barely had a reaction at all. It seemed like I was in suspended animation for about an hour after seeing it, digesting it, going on social media, seeing what other people are saying about it. It seemed as if it was not real. I mm-hmm. said, did I actually just see this on a on an Academy Awards show? Two of the greatest people of our generation, in terms of entertainers and comedians and actors when it comes to Chris Rock and Real Smith, and just to see him get up, casually walk to that stage, and Chris Rock, oh, here comes Richard, meaning like King Richard. That was a character he played in a movie involving the lives of Richard and Serena and Venus Williams. And then right hand across the side of the face of Chris Rock. And at first I'm thinking, this has to be something they planned, like a sketch comedy, whatever that was. But then to see Chris Rock's face. ESPN Radio. He not only tried to beat Mike Tyson, he tried to beat Chris Rock. With Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman, thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 8 and ESPN Plus. And we were just talking about this for about the last two minutes or so. I'll say this. Chris Rock's a better man than I am. 
because no matter what would have happened after that, there's no way you're coming on stage and slapping me in my face and I'm not doing something about that. I may have lost the fight. I may have shed some blood, but I'm not saying that Chris Rock's a punk. I'm saying he's a better man than I am. Although if you see a couple of pictures, Amber, afterwards, he balled his fist a little bit after the slap happened, and then he said, I'm not going to allow this to escalate even further. If that was Freddie Dwayne Coleman on the stage, Maddie Coleman's boy, they'd have to go to commercial color bars because there's no way. I said, I wish a brother would come up here, and then he's going to slap me in my face, and I'm not going to do anything about it. I'll give Chris Rock credit. He's a lot better man than I would have been in that situation. That's been my favorite take today because – I've heard a lot of men comment on this on air on this incident and every single one of them. If that was me, if that was me, yeah. I would I would have gone back at them. And, and, and you know what? I think so much of this comes down to the reality of the moment. Like, it's really easy to say sure. I would never let another man walk up to me and slap me across the face, except for. If, assuming that this was real and not a put on, if it's the put on, then it's like the greatest put on ever. And they should both win the Academy Award next year for best actor. They should just go ahead and split that category next year as well. But assuming this is real, there's no way Chris Rock could have actually thought that's what's going to happen. No. I mean, it was a total lack of anticipation on his part. So he was so stunned. Everybody was so stunned. Mm-hmm. Freddie, how remarkable is it that a man walked up on stage, slapped another man across the face on an Oscar stage, and security was nowhere to be found. Nobody did <laughs> yep. anybody, anything. Nobody no, else reacted. Nobody made a move. At, nobody moved. And that's why I know everybody was so caught off guard. Nobody knew what to do in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so I think Chris Rock didn't really either. Where I understand it's the easy take to say I would never let another man step to I me wouldn't. like that's that. That's not a take. That's just real with me. That, but you that's wouldn't not a know. Take. You would be so stunned in the moment. Amber, I, I just I don't, don't think know. he realized at all what was happening. And then I agree with you. Then he was the better man on the back end because then obviously it sunk in what happened. And like you said, there was that moment where if you look back on it, Chris Rock had a moment had where he thought fist. about it, yep. and that's where he is a real man for being able to control himself in that moment, being the professional, and then being able to turn it into this was the greatest moment in live <laughs> television history, yeah. which is the perfect thing to say if you're Chris Rock. Chris Rock is the big winner here. I hope nobody's out there calling him a punk for this at no. all because he's yeah. the big winner here. Yeah. He no. absolutely yeah. handled himself like a pro. Yeah, If anybody's a punk in this situation, is Will Smith. Mm-hmm. I'll say it out loud. And I've been a Will Smith fan for years. But, dude, there's a way to handle that. If you didn't like the, the number one, when the joke was made about G.I. Jane 2, and for those who don't know, Jada Pinkett Smith talked about dealing with alopecia, and she said, this is going to be my friend. I'm not giving in to this from that standpoint. And when he made the joke about G.I. Jane 2, Will Smith was laughing. So you can't tell me that all of a sudden you went from that seven seconds later, give or take a second or two, that you decided to go there, and then you doubled down by saying, keep my wife's bleeping name out of your mouth. From that standpoint, I almost wondered if Jada had said something to him because you're right. He na- he laughed initially. We all saw it. So did she say something to him? But it was so quick. It was so quick. I think he yeah. just saw her reaction and she didn't react the same way. She was clearly not as amused. Right. But I will tell you this because I have not heard women speak on this. I've only heard men comment on this on our airwaves today. You know how we are. From the female take, <laughs> I will tell you that I think that I don't want a man to fight my battles. I don't want yeah. my husband to go out there and fight my battles for me. She's a grown woman. She can handle herself. She's Aaron Wilson, Freddie Coleman. More coming up next on ESPN Radio and ESPN+.